somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national... And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We had uh, some trouble today with our intro, but we have a great show lined up for you today. Um, And uh, we're going to get right to it. Uh, We also have a great guest that's coming on today. Peter Navarro is going to be on at the bottom of the hour. Um, But for now, what we're going to be talking about is Nord Stream 2, because what has happened with respect to Nord Stream 2 I think is uh, just a, a a real black moment in American foreign policy. Um, Joe Biden had a terrible day yesterday, um, and he he pretty much made a uh, fool of himself as well, um, and uh, talked about um, Jackie Warshorsky, uh who. Uh, passed away in a car crash along with two staff members a month ago. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, Joe Biden, Dimension Joe, is basically trying to figure out where Jackie is in in the audience. Uh, So, you know, it's like a very strange, very strange phenomenon there. And uh, a a bit embarrassing when when you think about it. So uh, one of the things that we're going to be playing right now is uh, a clip, the clip associated with that. Also, we have a series of clips uh, that we're going to play from our State Department, from uh, Joe Biden himself with respect to uh, Nord Stream 2. Uh, and then uh, we're going to have Peter Navarro on, on the uh, program to talk about his new, new book. All right, uh, let's get started with Sean Hannity right now. Uh, We're going to go ahead and listen to this. This is just unbelievable. Who helped organize the event. She died in a tragic car crash in August. Uh, At the time of her death, Biden ordered flags to be lowered at half-mast, released a heartfelt tribute to the long-serving lawmaker, and he's even meeting with her family tomorrow. But today, apparently, Biden thought she was still alive. You can't make it up. And I want to thank all of you here, for, including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here to help make this a reality. I don't, I don't have words for this. Usually these obvious examples of Biden's cognitive decline are totally ignored by most in the media mob. But today, multiple reporters, they demanded answers, rightly so, from the White House press secretary. Uh, how did that happen? What is going on? What is wrong here? Needless to say, the White House uh, press secretary didn't have very good answers. Take a look. What happened in the hunger event today? The president appeared to look around the room uh for an audience member, a member of Congress who passed away last month, he seemed to indicate she might be in the room. So, what so the president w- was, uh, as you all know, you guys were watching uh, today's event, a very important event on uh, food insecurity. The president was naming uh, the congressional champions on this issue. He said, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She must not be here. No, I totally understand. I just, I just explained she was on top of mind. I'm trying to get my head around the response. If the late Congresswoman was top of mind for the president, and her family was expected to be here, and that's what he was thinking about. What, why was he looking for? I'm not, I'm not trying to be snarky here. No, I mean, and I'm. No, you were saying and what he said there. And again, I think people can understand. Go one more time back to the question about Congresswoman. Man, just listen to this. Why? Why? Why one more time? 
the confusing part is why, if she and the family is top of mind, does the president think that she's living and in the room? I don't find that confusing. You just simply tell the truth that the president is and has been for a long time a cognitive wreck and our country is facing crises on multiple fronts uh, uh, as a result, although according to the left, Biden cannot be held liable for any disaster. Now, according to them, every crisis that's caused by climate change. Naturally, this week, they were once again politicizing even the weather. We've had hurricanes all throughout our history, but this one is, of course, has to be politicized. Take a look. Can you tell us what this is and what effect climate change has on this phenomenon? Well, we can come back and talk about climate change at a later time. I want to focus on the here and now. Listen, I just, I'm just trying to get that you said you want to talk about climate change, but what, what effect does climate change have on this phenomenon that, that is happening now? Because it seems these storms are intensifying. That's the question. Here. I don't think you can link climate change to any one event. Okay. This is exactly what... <laughs> That's CNN. CNN is just uh, falling by the wayside. Apparently, Chris Christopher Wallace on his uh, weekend show uh, got 44,000 uh, viewers. <laughs> uh, his next competitor got 1.7 million or something like that for the same time slot. So I don't know, man. CNN, what can you say? But, uh, you know, for... For Joe Biden, Joe Biden is the leader of the free world. He had to be escorted off of stage yesterday by a clapping seal, his wife, Dr. Jill. Um, so, you know, basically it's like, where do I go? How do I get off the stage? And she, she's clapping like a seal. Then she guides him off the stage because he doesn't even know where to go. This is a guy that's been in politics for 50 years and he doesn't know how to exit a stage. No, this guy is absolutely uh, cognitively declined. Like he's not all there. And yet he's making massive decisions that are putting everybody's lives at risk. I mean, and lying every step of the way, every step of the way. You know, that's the that's the other that's the other part is, um, you know, everything he says, like Jean-Pierre, when she answered the question, she should have she should have just answered the question um, and said he made a mistake or it was written in the teleprompter wrong related to Jackie Wursorski. But instead, she, she lied to the American people, disrespectful, dis- disrespectfully. It's clear. I mean, you can't lie out of that. You know, he, he was looking for Jackie. She said she was going to be here. No, she's dead. She died in a car crash along with two staff members. It's sad. But Joe Biden doesn't even know who the Republicans in the House are. He doesn't care about the other side. All he cares about is appealing to his puppet masters. You know, and that's all he's he cares about. He's delivering on the job. And he's ripping off the world. He's ripping off America. This whole thing related to Nord Stream benefits Joe Biden. You know, I mean, it's Hunter Biden that invested in Freeport McMorrin it's Hunter Biden that invested in Emirex and their uh, manufacturing of batteries in China. So when he shuts down an oil pipeline, uh, that is to benefit his family and his cronies in Congress. Because we know that there are pipelines that are going through Iraq that were not managed by any one government. We know that we were financing and supporting and propping up ISIS mercenaries. And we know that those oil pipelines were being guarded by ISIS and they were being sent through Syria and Turkey into Europe and through Libya, which we got rid of Gaddafi. Remember when we murdered Gaddafi? Well, we did that in part because we needed 
we needed to get uh, there. There was too much, uh, too much expense. You know, too much toll collection by Gaddafi to send pipelines through his country without a fee. And the same thing is true with uh, Ukraine. Ukraine was getting big time money. That's why Nord Stream was invented. That Nord Stream was developed to skirt around and get a, get away from having to pay Ukraine. And it gave Russia tremendous amount of leverage. And together, Germany and Russia worked together, took a lot of risk uh, to get the Nord Stream pipeline in, installed. And so for this administration to lie to the American people and say that Putin did it is absolutely absurd and insane. It's not believable on its face. Nobody in their right mind believes this. So, you know, and then you have the State Department and Joe Biden virtually admitting what they were doing. And now they're not claiming ownership like a terrorist organization. They're not claiming ownership. And that is disturbing in and of itself. So here's, here's Joe Biden talking about this, about Nord Stream 2. Let me answer the first question first. If Germany, if, uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. But do, but how, will you, how will you do that exactly since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. How so? Now, you know, we, we know that the State Department uh, and Victoria Nuland said F you to the EU. At the same time now, uh, this, uh, this uh, Syrian girl, uh, Twitter, Twitter account, she says, Victoria Nuland, if Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. Also, this is the same Victoria Nuland who said F you to the EU, and she sure did it to Germany now. Let's take a listen. Um, with regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear <coughs> conversations uh, with our German allies, and I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. Um, with regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies, and I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. What, what kind of, what is it for her to say that? That's not her investment. This is a globalist speaking here. This is a globalist, communist, socialist, tyrannical leader. As liberal as you could possibly ever get. Toria Newland, a monster rigging the elections in Ukraine. And now she's going to determine the, uh, the, the future of Nord Stream. And they say that Putin is the aggressor and Putin is, Putin is not in charge. Putin is doing the best he can to try to neutralize, trying to neutralize the uh, uh, globalist aggression through NATO and the European Union. And some other things. You know, what's also interesting is there's other offshoots to this. Like Kim.com, he said this. He said, if the evidence shows that the U.S. government was behind the terrorist attacks in the Baltic Sea, and it sure looks that way, my legal team will file a new motion in the high court to stop the New Zealand government from extraditing me to a terrorist state that has no regard for the law. 
He's talking about the United States of America, and he has a case. Under the Biden regime, he has a case. Disclosed TV writes this, Putin to sign treaties on the accession, accession of new territories to Russia and to hold a voluminous speech tomorrow, the Kremlin says. So corporate media would have you believe Russia has no chance of winning while they strategically get everything they want. The U.S. and its globalist and tyrannical socialist allies have been played like a fiddle. Globalism is losing their war big time. They have zero credibility left. That is the case. And then Greg Price writes this. He says, it really sucks that the guy who forgot that somebody was dead today is also the one trying to provoke a nuclear war. Think about it. That's scary stuff. And then also, nearly 7 in 10 Americans are searching. Jim Jordan wrote this. Congressman Jim Jordan. Nearly 7 in 10 Americans are searching for extra work because of inflation. Retirees are having to go back into the office. Families can barely afford to pay their bills. Joe Biden's America. So, just a reminder that the president, who turns 80 in two months, was looking around the room today for a congresswoman whose death he mourned just last month, and the White House repeatedly insisted there was nothing abnormal about the entire thing. Think about it. So, this other one, Whitebeard, says this. He says, Dear FBI agents, police officers, etc., you will answer to God for your actions at the gray great day of judgment. It was just my job, and I had a mortgage will not suffice. On the day, the judge will know your heart. Do not obey immoral orders. Do not terrify the innocent. That's really been my question all along, is, you know, when the FBI goes after someone like Peter Navarro in an airport, puts him in shackles, um, goes after the President of the United States' attorneys and raids their home and their children's homes, children's rooms. It's insane. What kind of country are we living in where political dissidence is, you know, like Cuba? A political dissident against Castro would serve t- jail time. And that's exactly what was happening with the even the J6. And we all know now that Ray Epps was part of the FBI just as much as uh, the uh, rig system um, related to the Whit- Whit- uh, Governor Whitmer kidnapping. But we're also finding out about FBI embedding Oath Keepers and their sting operation on J6. I cannot wait until this midterm election comes back and we get back the House and the Senate the conservatives, without someone like Liz Cheney in office. Thank goodness. And we are going to make a difference. And we are going to find the truth. And we are going to make sure that the 2024 election is fair. Those are things that have to be done. We can no longer sustain this type of election rigging and fraud and injustice two standards of justice, and all of these other things. So we have to take our country back, that's for sure. Now I'm going to play this clip. This is a, this is a really good clip. Let's take a listen to uh, uh, Byron Douglas, one of my, uh, Byron Donalds, my, one of my favorite new congressmen uh, from Florida. The president has told us time and time again that he has no idea what his son is actually doing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we all know that is the dumbest thing we've all heard. I have three sons. I've been away from my sons for 10 days. But trust me, I know exactly what they're doing. It doesn't take me long to pick up a phone and ask or to find out. The president knows what his son is engaged in. What his son is primarily being engaged in is a, is a mineral called cobalt. 
Let's educate the committee on cobalt. Cobalt is a mineral, a metal that is essential in the manufacturing of electric vehicles. Cobalt is one of the most important components of electric car batteries, solar panels, and other renewable energy sources. A Tesla long-range vehicle requires 10 pounds of cobalt, more than 400 times the amount of cobalt needed in a cell phone. Two-thirds of the world's cobalt production comes from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Hunter Biden has been heavily involved in the 2016 sale of a cobalt mine in the Democratic Republic of the Congo to a company that is a Chinese company. He was very involved. The New York Times has reported on his level of involvement. So do you mean to tell me that Joe Biden, who was then who was a former vice president of the United States, then candidate for the presidency of the United States, now president of the United States, had no idea that his son was engaged in the sale of a cobalt mine to a Chinese. No, he did. He did. He did have uh, knowledge of that. Of course he did. Um, but right now we have uh, we're excited to bring on to uh, the Scott Adams show, Peter Navarro. Welcome to the Scott Adams show, Peter Navarro. Uh, hey, great to be with you today. Um, it's uh, <laughs> interesting times here in, in America. I'm, I'm uh, got this new book out, Taking Back Trump's America, and uh, it's become for me uh, more of a mission, given the chaos we've got at the border and in our economy. And it's um, it's great to be able to talk with you today about it. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you had another great book too. Um, uh, that was uh, in Trump time. And how is this an extension, this new book, Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We'll Win It Back? I was just talking to our audience today about how we're going to take our country back in 2022 and 2024. But how do we lose it in the first place? Well, that's, uh, that's the theme of the first half of the Taking Back Trump's America book. And the problem goes back to a saying Ronald Reagan had that personnel is policy, meaning that if you get the wrong people in the White House, you're going to get the wrong policy. In, in the Trump White House, we had that problem in spades where bad personnel not only caused bad policy, but the bad politics. Uh, there, we, we, the book talks about a set of strategic failures we made, not the least of which was running a, a bad campaign at the, at the uh, tactical level. Uh, and that all led to uh, an election which, which really was, was far too close. Uh, should have been a landslide win for Trump given his performance in office. And it, uh, in the Taking Back Trump's America book, I, I go back to the beginning. I, I'm actually one of only three senior White House officials who was actually with the boss from the campaign all the way to the end. And I saw everything along the way. And we, we made an a, a, a error the day after the 2016 election. Steve Bannon called it the original sin, which was to welcome with open arms the the traditional Republican Mitch McConnell, Bush Cheney wing in under the Trump tent, thinking that somehow these people would be loyal uh, to the president. And, and they simply weren't. And chaos ensued in some sense. There's a great story in Take Back Trump's America about me sitting with, with President Trump in the iconic Roosevelt room in the West Wing. He, this was a, just a few months into the administration, he was very restive about the slow pace of our trade policies, which he had promised to, to shape up on the campaign trail. And he had most of the cabinet people in there, Tillerson had stayed, Mattis at the Pentagon, Azar at Labor, uh, as well as the West Wing uh, personality, Gary Cohn, the National Economic Council director. And he goes around the table and, and kind of asks everybody what's going on and why why this is gone. And by the time he gets to the end of it, he, he, he realizes there's only two people in the entire room that support his trade policy. It's me and him. And I see his eyebrows kind of go up, look around. And I, there's an epiphany there, but, but he, he understood at that point 
uh, as I had understood from the day I got there, uh, that there was more problems inside that perimeter than he realized. And, and therein lies the, the tale of taking back Trump's America. And then, of course, in the second part of the book, uh, I talk about how we take back the Trump White House in 2024. And, and that, of course, has to begin um, in the next uh, 30-something days with taking back the House of Representatives from the Democrats in 2022 in the November election. Yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of uh, interesting dynamics to the Trump White House, Um, one of which is, you know, uh, I often think back at some of the hires that were made, you know, like a Gina Haspel or a Dan Coats or a Chris Ray. And sometimes, you know, I I get to thinking about that. And I think, you know, when we uh, when we lost the 2018 House, right, um, that was that was a big problem. And uh, and uh, Kristen Nielsen, uh, Kirsten Nielsen, uh, really uh, was in charge at that time. and, And we needed fairer elections at that time and we didn't get them. And so we lost the House. And when the House then pushed for impeachment, it kind of set up and it gave someone like a Lindsey Graham like a lot of leverage, a lot of power, a lot of sway. And in some in some ways, I think that that could have had it, it may have had an impact on some of these hires, uh, whether it's Chris Ray or Gina Haspel or Dan Coates, because ultimately, you know, the new hires that replaced these characters uh, turned out to be a lot better, like Rick Grinnell and people like that. You know, you, you have hit that nail um, exactly on the head. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole chapter in Taking Back Trump's America about that 2018 fiasco. The, the inside story there is there was a, a couple of people inside the West Wing, Yanni Stefano and Bill Stepien, who managed to convince the president to spend effectively too much time on the Senate races and not enough time on the House. And that one hit very close to home for me because I, I came from Orange County, California, and in that cycle in 2018, we lost uh, virtually every seat within Orange County, which had long been a bastion um, of Ronald Reagan Republicanism, Richard Nixon Republicanism. And it was like, uh, it was very much a self-inflicted wound. And that set in motion, of course, with Pelosi as Speaker, uh, to this day, the weaponization of the investigatory powers of the House for partisan and unconstitutional purposes. And, you know, when you mention, uh, for example, Gina Haspel, who replaced Mike Pompeo at the CIA when Pompeo went over to state, I was just appalled by that. It's like I just thought to myself, here we go again. And Chris Ray himself, uh, you know, he's like Andre Agassi. Uh, uh, his critics call him you know, a haircut in the forehand. Like <laughs> Ray, he just, he talked, <laughs> he talked up on China, but he never did anything. And the, you know, the, but one of the things that, that, that never got done, and I blame another rhino bushy Bill Barr for this, was to get to the bottom of the Russia hoax, um, which, which again, Pelosi and others used to drag the president down, even though there was absolutely nothing to it. So personnel is policy. There's a funny story about Lindsey Graham. Um, in the in the White House in the Taking Back Trump's America book about how he was always begging the president to go take him to play golf, this, that, and the other thing. And it just, I, I told the president at one point that it, whatever Lindsay tells you to do, if you do just the opposite, you'll be fine. Um, and in the next uh, term, I, I'd propose a Lindsey Graham free zone because the problem I had with Lindsay is like, he was the chairman of the judiciary. And it was like uh, Lucy in the blanket. It's like he he always promised to take action on the Russia hoax, but never did. But yeah, you know, bottom line, bad personnel is not just bad policy, but but bad policy. And you know, it's got to be frustrating to you that uh, that uh, this COVID thing happened in the uh, wake of uh, Phase One, Phase Two China deal, 
And, you know, China became the real benefactor of that because the phase one, phase two that they signed and agreed upon uh, would have had uh, great dividends for the United States and it would have been a fair relationship with China. And and uh, and they they pretty much got out of that deal thanks to COVID, didn't they? Um, exactly right. Although I, I would say here that that I, I told the president uh, offline that they never had any intention of fulfilling that deal to begin with, and and we got we got effectively uh, snookered in that deal because not because of the president himself, but again, bad personnel. I, I, if there were there was like a single person I could exclude never darken the door of the Oval Office uh, and President, President Trump would still be there now. It was Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. This guy was a liberal Democrat from Manhattan who wormed his way into the administration by helping to raise money. And from the minute he got there, he would back-channel the communists and basically... Uh, he was kind of like a say yes, do no kind of guy. And he, uh, I think, single-handedly helped weaken our negotiating posture with the Chinese. You know, we had at one point this beautiful full deal that Lighthizer and I had, had worked up with the Chinese, which they reneged on. And instead of just going full bore on the tariffs like the president wanted to do, um, Mnuchin, uh, Cudlow and uh, Kushner talked him into uh, this this what's so-called skinny deal that you're referencing, Scott. Yeah, and um, and and it was bad enough that it was a skinny deal. It was worse that they uh, they used the uh, the COVID thing. And there's a, yeah, in taking back Trump's America. There's also a chapter on uh, Fauci and and how uh, Fauci effectively uh, helped. Uh, in all likelihood, create that virus by funding the Wuhan Institute of Virology, oh, yeah. transferring, importantly, the, um, uh, the gain-of-function technology to genetically engineer bioweapons. And, and, of course, I fought Fauci on the therapeutics like like hydro- hydroxychloroquine and monoclonal antibodies. And, I, again, I told the boss twice, he should fire Fauci after several run-ins I had with the guy. And um, I don't blame the boss for not doing that because everybody else said uh, not to. But I think if he had early, um, it would have been a different ballgame, particularly because we now know, which we didn't know then, that, that Fauci's hand was involved in funding that lab. No, oh, no doubt. I, I think that Fauci was also protected. I think that there was some connections he had with the Pentagon, with the, the State Department. I mean, I, I think that he was, you know, he's, he's been a bureaucrat for way too long, you know, in, in Washington. And he knows how the game is played, for sure. Well, look, uh, you know, Peter, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the uh, Scott Adams show today. It's just, I could talk to you for hours. Um, you're one of my favorite uh, Trump advisors, honestly. I've always thought so highly of you. And this new book that you have coming out, I'm waiting for it to come in the mail because the, fo- the, the folks that uh, over at Simon & Schuster are sending me a copy, uh, but I haven't gotten it yet, so I can't wait to get it. It's Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House, and How We'll Win It Back. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Just an honor to be with you today, and I appreciate that. And uh, let's get you that book quick. All right. Take care now. Take All right. Care. Bye. Bye-bye now. All right. Well, that's Peter Navarro. Love that guy. He is so smart, and he's courageous. That's what we need in the White House. We need somebody that uh, has some, you know, some courage, some courage. And uh, that's what we need. So I wanted to um I wanted to play this clip uh with regard to Alina Haba. And the reason why I wanted to do that it, th- this clip that I'm going about to play is because um uh she's talking she's talking about uh the injustices of the FBI and we want to uh pivot to that particular 
area. So let's take a listen. After the raid on Mar-a-Lago, Judge Raymond Deary, the special master, appointed to examine everything taken from Mar-a-Lago on August the 8th, stating that the Trump defense team needs to, quote, put up or shut up when it comes to accusations that the FBI might have planted evidence at Mar-a-Lago. Joining me now to break this all down, President Trump's attorney, Elena Haba. Elena, good morning. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Um, Well, do you have evidence that the FBI might have uh, planted planted something, anything at Mar-a-Lago seven weeks ago? You know what we know, and I'm not going to speak into details because it would obviously be confidential and go to the defense of the case. Um, The attorney's handling it, which I am not. But as I have said on the show before, um, I think the concern is that we have recordings of these agents going in and then we we were not permitted to watch the agents in Mar-a-Lago go into his office space, for instance, or his home, his bedroom, or Melania's closet. And that is incredibly concerning. Another thing is they came in with equipment, with bags. So you never know. Unfortunately, the climate that we're in politically has led us to believe that we can't really uh, be sure that they're following the rule of law at any point. And that's the most concerning thing, I think, for all Americans right now, Rob. Yeah. And just the fact that that the FBI has gone into Barron Trump's room before going into somebody like Hunter Biden's room. Um, it's yeah. a little ridiculous. Let me ask you about this special master. And, and you you mentioned this a couple days after the raid on Wake Up America, that you were going to go after a special master, uh, Judge Raymond Deary. What is it about Judge Deary that made him both OK with the Trump legal team and the DOJ? So Trump, uh, excuse me, Judge Deary, um, you know, he actually was somebody who my understanding from their team and their selection was that he had had signed a prior FISA warrant, which is not not really pro-Trump, obviously, when it came to the Russia hoax and investigation. However, um, he also learned later that he had been mistaken and misled by the FBI, which I think is the reason that the Trump team had selected him. He has become uh, a more neutral party, not necessarily pro-Trump or pro-Biden, let's say, but a neutral party, which is why I believe they selected him and thought that he would be somebody that we could find common ground with. Can I ask you a question just about how the former president is doing? Um, We had him on last week uh, and he seemed, you know, he seemed rearing and ready to go as always. Uh, But at some point, Elena, this has got to take a toll on just somebody's psyche, uh, all these lawsuits, all these jurisdictions. Uh, how's he doing? I I hate to burst everybody's bubble, but, you know, they, and, and when I say everybody, I mean the DNC, the left <laughs> whipping right. uh, attackers. But I can tell you I was with him a couple of days ago. He is his usual self. He is in great spirits. He is, you know, out there working he is on the golf course. He is doing what he would normally do. And um, quite honestly, really optimistic for the midterm elections and optimistic for the country's future post-Biden regime. Right. Um, and I think that's what makes a leader. You can't get down when the country is failing and you're under siege. You have, you have to get up. He said this in his rally. You get up and you fight. And then you get up again and you keep punching. And that is uh, the former President Trump. That's who he is. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be covering doing our coverage uh, along with Jen Pellegrino Saturday night for his his next rally. Um, and you're right. I think when this kind of thing happens to the former president, uh, he it almost it almost brings out the fight in him. Uh, but let's get back to the case. So the foreign desk doing some really good reporting. Uh, the Obama Foundation, and I thought this was fascinating. Apparently, stored classified documents. Uh, top secret documents, if you will, at an abandoned furniture warehouse in 2018. Uh, We know this because the Obama Foundation sent a letter to the National Archives Records Administration letting them know about the documents. Uh, I trust documents at Mar-a-Lago a lot more than an abandoned furniture warehouse. Why didn't Barack Obama's Martha's Vineyard Mansion get raided? Exactly. And let me just tell you something about this warehouse. And I'm so glad that you brought this up. This is the dual system of justice that we're seeing. This warehouse 
was next to a McDonald's in an abandoned parking lot. I urge your viewers, take a minute to Google this. The warehouse that he selected was unsecure. There was no secret service. This was not a gated property. But no, well, guess what happens with NARA? And by the way, there was an admission of classified documents there. So what does NARA say? Oh, it's not secure, but we're okay with it. How is that okay? But they come in, view Mar-a-Lago, tell us to double bolt it, and then they come raid it. This is exactly the problem. Obama had it in a parking lot, old 72,000 square foot furniture store. Right. That's where those documents were. And right. nobody was hemming and hawing over that. Yeah, you know? I Googled it. Just looks like a warehouse, like you'd see off the side of the highway. And there's a McDonald's right uh, next yeah, door. So it, the traffic is constantly circling where classified documents are being held. But that wasn't a problem because it was President Obama, not President Trump. Um, and that's the exact problem with this. Great, great point. Just just a couple seconds. Um, do you think there's an indictment? Do you think that Donald Trump is indicted based on whatever the DOJ finds here? You know what? If they're going to indict somebody over library books, they're, they're, they really need some perspective. No, I don't think so. Okay. I think we need to start talking to the DOJ for their benefit and to just clear this up and whatever confusion is going on. OK. Elena. Hoff. Well, there you go. Two standards of justice under the Biden regime. Um it doesn't get any worse than this. This guy, Biden, is destroying America. Uh, I mean, it was bad enough what they did with Afghanistan and giving $80 billion worth of stuff to the Taliban, propping up a Taliban government on purpose. It wasn't a mistake. It was on purpose. They basically gave up. For political optics, they wanted to get out of Afghanistan. And they did it exactly the wrong way. And now, you know, we're looking at a Dow that was in the 28,000 range. The lowest it's been in years. Um, now the Dow index is, uh, is uh, 29,683. It's below 30,000. We have a housing crisis that's about to burst. We have a super bubble, uh, not just with bonds, but with housing and inflated stock market. All three are going to spell doom. And what they're doing with the IRS is pushing digital currency. And what they're doing with the Fed is the Fed already acknowledged that the digital currency is not going to be anonymous. So they're going to be able to track your digital currency to your person and control your behavior. And this is the kind of thing that we're faced against because we're fighting a war against global, global tyranny. And the leaders of global tyranny, we see them all too well. Trudeau uh, and uh, Rutka, you know, and all these different globalists around the world, the Klaus Schwab disciples. So we got to put an end to this. And they're wrecking everything they touch. Just look at the environmental catastrophe associated with the Nord Stream 2. You look at that and you got to say, wow, do they really even care about the environment or are they just using it to control you? And of course, we know that's what they're doing. And they lie all the time. Let's take a listen to this latest lie. A stock market, the last guy's measure of everything, is about 20% higher than it was when my predecessor was there. It has hit record after record after record on my watch. Stocks now down $7.6 trillion since President Biden took office. A stock. <laughs> so you see the facts and then the words. Right. The meaningless words. Uh, what what Alina uh, ha Habba was saying about the Obama warehouse. Uh, PJ Media wrote this, uh, says letter reveals Obama Foundation is keeping classified docs in abandoned furniture warehouse. So the Obama Foundation agrees to transfer up to three million three hundred thousand dollars to the National Archives Trust Fund to support. The move of classified and unclassified Obama presidential records and artifacts 
from Hoffman Estates to NARA controlled facilities that conform to the agency archival storage standards for such records and artifacts and for the modification of such spaces. The first transfer of $300,000 was already made on August 9th, 2018. In addition, interim transfer will be made with 180 days of that date. Subsequent payments are subject to the negotiation of terms of the digitization process and museum operations. So they have these records off and they want to go after Trump because he has them in a secure room in Mar-a-Lago, which is one of the more secure properties in the world. And you could juxtapose that with the, the furniture warehouse and there's no comparison. The two standards of justice is startling, to say the least. So I have a few tweets I wanted to get to today, and um, I'm going to read. I'm just going to go through a couple of these now because some of this stuff is just really good. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to go. Rising Serpent says it took five years for the political media complex to admit. The Steele dossier was a work in fiction, and then it took them nearly two years to admit that Hunter Biden's laptop was real. You really think they're going to point out safety issues a year after the vaccine rollout, which we're hearing all kinds of horror stories associated with that. Um, Tim Young says, not a penny more for Ukraine. It's a laundering mechanism. That's all it is. Stephen Miller writes, imagine how different our political system would look how much more accountable and responsible to the people it would be rather than to the elites if we had secure elections with voter ID, proof of citizenship, verified voter rolls, and in-person same-day voting. So Disclosed TV writes, Justin, hungry to hold a referendum on the EU's sanctions imposed on Russia, Prime Minister Viktor Orban announces. The sanctions were not decided dem- democratically, but were decided by Brussels, bureaucrats, and bu- European elites. So, you know, this whole thing about Nord Stream 2 benefits the Biden crime family with their cobalt mining and uh, battery manufacturing investments. That's number one. Number two, they have the Baltic pipe as an alternative. So they have full control with the globalists with Poland and Ukraine uh, basically being uh, puppets to the globalists. And uh, they're taking away the leverage and power uh, away from Russia. And, you know, the pipeline's going to be repaired in months, if not maybe a year. But you're going to see energy prices skyrocket. There's going to be lots of death associated with the lack of capacity of oil going into Europe. And it's going to be a major catastrophe from an environmental perspective and from a life loss perspective. The cold winter in Europe is going to be even colder. So it's it's something to be said that this this is this is not far different than genocide and what's what's being played out. And it's the Biden administration that greenlighted with his State Department, Victoria Nuland, we just heard them speak about it, that they will end Nord Stream Two. And we heard them speak about it. Now, what's the, what's the Russian reaction? Are they going to take out our satellites? Are they going to take it down, down the Internet? You know, what, what could they do in exchange? If you start going down this road, it becomes a real humanitarian crisis of epic proportions. Not even to mention nuclear, nuclear war. And, you know, it's kind of eerie that we haven't even really heard Russia speak to this. Russia's just moving forward and signing accession papers uh, for the Donbass region in Ukraine where people are just basically voting and saying, we want this land to be Russian land. 
because we don't like the globalist tyranny and Zelensky's corrupt government that the West is supporting. So Disclosed TV says, uh, or no, no, Jim Jordan says, the FBI lied to the FISA court about the Trump-Russia hoax. They lied to judge to a judge to raid hundreds of Americans' safe deposit boxes. And according to a whistleblower, they're lying to everyone about the number of domestic violence extremist cases throughout the country. Abby Libby says, drag is to women what blackface is to black people. A costume, a caricature, a mockery, a cheapening, a dehumanization. But this is what the Democrats are pushing. They're pushing it for a reason. They're pushing it to demoralize and to deteriorate. It's a psyop is what it is. Sherry writes, Biden can't be bothered with the hurricane. He's laser focused on destroying our 401ks. Jim Jordan writes, every police officer, service member, nurse, teacher, and worker who is fired because of the vaccine status should be rehired immediately. Rising Serpent writes, in two years, we've gone from two weeks to flatten the curve to it shows up in breast milk, but you should continue to trust us. You know, it's it's crazy. Peter Sweden says the next steps will be climate lockdowns and climate change passports with social credit scores. Opus Magnuson writes writes this. He, he writes, if if Italy can count all the votes in one day, why can't we? Ha ha. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. That brings us to the end of the Scott Adams show. Um be sure to check out tacticalcivics.com. They're our sponsor, and they are supporting us, and we want you to support them. Uh, they will teach you how to take back your country locally, setting up a local chapter to basically follow the Constitution and the, the, uh, uh, with Christian values. And uh, it's an excellent organization. I... Uh, I, I totally believe in what they're doing, tacticalcivics.com. So sign up and uh, be a part of that. Also, check out magapack.org and use Red State over at mypillow.com as your promo code. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Take a hole a little deeper just to bury my kids right up to there.